Welcome to the Totally Transformed podcast. We're continuing our series on cultural impact, uh, reaching, we started with reaching um, our neighbors with the gospel, then we talked about reaching the people that we work with, and today we want to go into reaching the church with the gospel or reaching the people in the church, maybe more specifically the people that we go to church with, and that's different for everybody that's listening to this. We all have a unique fingerprint, if you will, of the paths of our lives that intersects with everybody differently than anybody else. And so we all go to different churches, of course. We may be in different states, different nations that have different churches, different modes of church, uh, some in home churches, some in buildings. But we all uh, hopefully are going to church and not forsaking the gathering of ourselves together. So how do we reach uh, the people in our church that we sit next to on Sunday that we fellowship with, with the gospel? Because I don't think this is a newsflash, but if it is, then, then uh, hopefully you hear it. Not everybody that goes to church is saved and not everybody that goes to church is free. Uh, in fact, I think it's a very large percentage of people that are in church, uh, do not know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And if they do, they may not be walking in freedom and um, just, you know, the the healing and the freedom that Jesus came to give. So that's a long introduction to this third part of this series. But mom, I know you and dad recently um, gave a talk at a life group uh, at, at someone's home. Um, and out of that came really... Um, some thoughts that you wanted to share today that, that fit into this idea of reaching those within the church with the message of being totally transformed. Thank you for that um, introduction. And I just want to say that oftentimes we think people, like you said, in church have it together, which is not the case, or we leave it to the pastor right. or the leaders to evangelize them uh, rather than, and I'm not saying you're going to witness necessarily to the person that's next to you, you'll have time, but just to go in with prayer that, Lord, let me bring your glory into this meeting. Let my heart be clean. Let me be seeking your face. Let me be stirred up in my gifts. And also let me be aware that you want to bring your glory into the church. And sometimes the reason why he can't do that from a couple chapters that I've been reading through the uh, whole Bible this year. I think I mentioned one time on this podcast, and I was on Haggai 1 and 2 the day that we shared in this life group. And that says in a nutshell that they were uh, trying to rebuild the temple, but they had evil hearts, and therefore their hands were not going to be free or good or holy to build the temple. So God himself kept interrupting it. And then it goes on to say God wants to bring him his glory into the church. So we all are the church. That's what we shared on Tuesday night. We all are the church. Individually, we're the church. As a family, we're the church. As, the, as any group that you're in, as you go into the church, you become the corporate church. And the, and the corporate church is as strong, powerful, anointed as each individual church or person that goes in there. Yeah, right. right. So just a couple of scriptures about encouragement. I mean, there's so many things that can happen in the church. Therefore, encourage one another and build up one another just as you are doing. That's First Thessalonians 5.11. Therefore, comfort one another with the words of the gospel. 
uh, Romans 1.12, that is that I may be encouraged together with you while among you, each of us by the other's faith, both yours and mine. And so, you know, in the uh, charismatic church, basically, or in the modern church, you might want to say, and many times they have life groups like we shared at, so you can get it down to a smaller denominator to encourage others if you go to a large church that have many people, and sometimes some of that work uh, happens there. But what I'm saying is that the enemy doesn't want the church to emulate the first century church. The first century church, some of them walked with Jesus. Some of them, of course, were uh, apostolized. Is that the word? They were mentored by Jesus and came in to build the church. But in the New Testament church, it was the way to be saved, water baptized, baptized with the Holy Spirit, and powerful. 3,000 were added to the church one day, one time. People walked in Peter's uh, shadow and were healed. And my inspiration today to myself and to those of you that we're talking to is let's want with passion to know the Lord to that degree, to have a clean heart, because if I um, uh, regard iniquity in my heart, God cannot hear my prayers for myself or other, meaning that we're all sinners saved by grace. But if you know you're walking in chronic sin, the same blood that Jesus shed on the cross is shed for you today if you're broken about your sin and repentant. And we know in our ministry, sometimes it's a pro- Sometimes I shared at that meeting that you can be healed instantly. Dad shared a time that he was healed instantly. I shared a time when I was healed instantly, sovereignly by God, when we were seeking him. And then it can be a process through my book, Say But Not Free, that I have put into principles and I teach to people every week. And we've done seminars about the steps to healing, uh, confessing any reaction in your heart if you've been wounded, forgiving the person, forgiving yourself, and getting a clear heart, because out of the heart comes the issues of life. And the Lord looks to and fro over the earth to see whose hearts are turned toward him. And we talked about salvation means that you uh, confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that God sent Jesus down on the cross for you. And so you confess your sins. He's faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. But also that involves surrender. Surrender to his will. Surrender to his holiness. Surrender to pursue those things in obedience, which is a lifetime process of sanctification. We're instantly justified when we're saved. We're instantly glorified when we die if we're saved. But being more like Christ today than yesterday and not as much as tomorrow is a discipleship position. To be in the word, to be in fellowship like you're saying, to be in prayer, to practice the presence of the Lord, to meditate on the word. Because the enemy is going to try, if he can't keep you from being saved, he's going to try to keep you from being effective. Mm. Effective, meaning that you're influencing whatever you're influencing over whether it's your husband, your wife, your children, your grandchildren, your neighbor, your church member, whatever it is, you don't have to be, uh, you know, a pastor of a church to be a center of influence for the kingdom. Right, right. right. I think one of the biggest things that we can do is make sure we get connected Mm -hmm. with those that we are in church with. I think it's really easy 
to walk into church and back out of church without ever really having a meaningful conversation with anybody. I've been guilty of that. Yeah, I have too. And, um, the fact is ministry or, you know, being an extension of Jesus is not going to happen unless we make that connection. Um, you know, I could hear some people say, well, I'm just happy to make it to church. You know, I work six days a week, 10 hours a day. I do. I'm just exhausted. It's you're, you're lucky if I get out of bed in the morning on Sunday morning and even get to church. And now you're telling me that I need to be aware enough to minister to others. And that may be where you're at. You know, you may be in receive mode, you know, where you're yeah. needing to be ministered to. Right. And that's, that's first and foremost. I mean, we've got to get whole and healed ourselves before we're really able to effectively reach out to others. But I think as we're working on ourselves and we're working towards the wholeness that is available to us, being aware of others and just being willing to pray for someone else or get to know them better, uh, see what their needs are, can go a long way to building relationships that become meaningful ministry opportunities and or just to help meet other people's needs. You know, I'll say this, some of our most meaningful relationships that we have today, friendships with other believers who are pursuing the Lord came from a life group setting that we walked into 12 years ago or 11, almost 12 years ago. And, uh, those relationships took a long time to nurture and develop, but it started with showing up in a life group setting, right? And that's another way I think that we can uh, minister and be ministered to is to make sure that we break the church down into smaller subsets and get involved in uh, settings like life groups or home groups or whatever you want, community groups, whatever you might call them in your church setting and be obedient to uh, go to those so that those relationships can form. You know, and not everybody's going to be your best friend in every single setting, but you never know what onesies and twosies and of relationships God identifies and creates, connects you with, um, as a result of being in those settings within the church. Oh, well, the church, no news to you, Lance, and to who we're talking to, is a filling station. It's a equipping station. Our vision at the church we go to is to be equipped to go into all the world and preach the gospel, to go into the marketplace. And so therefore, wherever you are in your growth in Christ, if you need equipping, which, you know, depends on who you are and how long you've been in the word and into the Lord, um, that's where you're being, another word for equipping is trained. You're not being trained just to go in there and receive and receive and receive. You're being equipped to give out that can be give out as you're saying to other people in a smaller denomination for a life group so you can touch them so you can be known by them because if you go in and listen to unfortunately sometimes the average structure which has to be for organization you go in you you worship you hear the word uh and you pray and you leave and i say unfortunately as far as connecting one-on-one and one-on-two Um, it's not like when I was young where you would go down to the altar and have times to seek the Lord and seek each other, even within the church. And we didn't have mega churches of a couple thousand. So it's important 
to be equipped, it's important to be equipped by others. It's being, it's important to be aware if there's others around you that need equipping and what, how can you do that? And who is your priorities of equipping? No one's going to equip your children like you will. And sometimes we get um, confused because we try to be leaders in the church to equip other people and we forget our church is our own household. Mm, yeah. Now, if you can do both of those things and keep your priorities straight in this very busy, busy time that has always been busy, I guess, but it seems busier than ever with technology, okay. But what I'm trying to say is what fills us is an intimate relationship with Jesus Christ in prayer, practicing his presence, meditating, and being in the word first. And then whatever you need to have ministry to yourself, however you need to find that, and however you need to have an avenue to practice it. I mean, you know, with our life, we have been everything in the church and leadership. We have led many life groups that multiplied. um, And I'm not saying that takes the place of evermore. I'm just saying that that's where we got trained to be able to go into the marketplace and have a totally transformed ministries or a board and psychological services so we can be in the marketplace where people won't darken the door of a church, but they may find me as a Christian psychologist, which is why God raised me up and also gave me the opportunity to do the radio show and now the podcast. Mm-hmm. Okay, so it's whatever you is your priority, if your priority is to build the kingdom of God, what do I need to do that? What do I need? Do I need healing? Do I need someone to help me get through uh, a stronghold? Second Corinthians 10 through 5, something that has a stronghold. 10, 3 through 5. 10, yeah. 3 through 5. What did mm-hmm. I say? 10 through 5. Okay, 10, <laughs> 3 through 5. Something that has a stronghold on you in sin because you've usually been wounded and you're practicing it to think, act, or do something that has you around the neck. Mm. That's very real today because mm. so many people are wounded yeah. and hurt from rejection from their childhood or just hurt people, hurt people in this world that's very hurtful. Right, right. Um, you know, I think it's revelation knowledge lots of times to people in the church that they could be struggling with something that they didn't even realize was a struggle or sh- they knew they were maybe struggling and they're miserable. Yeah but they couldn't figure out why. Right. Um, can you talk a little bit about that and, and some of the ways that you describe that and have described that to people in the church to help them be aware of what they're actually facing and fighting against that may be eating their lunch? Well, thankfully, um, many churches now have what's called freedom ministries, who the son has set free is free indeed. Um, Many leaders in the church have come to realize we can be saved, but not free. And that's what I've realized. And that's why we named the book Saved But Not Free. In other words, if you're saved, but you're bogged down with depression, or you can't overcome sin, or you're just in the miry clay, and you don't know how to get out of that, then you're not going to be very effective to your circle of influence to try to evangelize and equip others. So we've decided that one of the greatest things we present to the body of Christ is defining the soul. Because the soul, if you want to call that the flesh, whatever you want to call it, that's where Satan works. Everybody knows they have a spirit. 
that usually in Christendom, that your spirit is connected with God's spirit when you're saved. Everybody knows they have a body because you look at yourself every day in the mirror, right? But the soul is the mind, and it has three functions. It thinks, imagines, and remembers. You also have a will, and you also have emotions. Whatever you set your will to think, imagine, and remember will affect your emotions. And you've heard the saying in lay life or layman's life, the mind is the devil's workshop. That's right, because there's three people talking to you all the time. The Godhead, if you're a Christian and you're attuned to it, Satan, and yourself. You know, I mean, I hope you're not sitting around actually talking to yourself out loud or answering yourself. They say that might be. Hey, sometimes you got to do that just to know (laughs) that you're there. Just don't do it all the time. But anyway. Yourself in encompassing the thoughts that are coming to your mind and your imagination. And it might be memories from the past. It might be vain imaginations or it might be thoughts because you filled your mind with evil by watching movies or whatever you're watching that is evil that makes neural pathways in your brain literally according to Dr. Carolyn Leaf, who wrote a book, Who Switched On and Who Switched Off My Brain, really two books, Carolyn Leaf, has done research that whatever you think about long enough becomes automatic thoughts, neural pathways in your brain that will go all the way, you'll go all the way back to that instantly if you don't uproot those neural pathways with truth. And that's what the Word does, according to Hebrews 4.12. The Word is sharper than any two-edged sword separating what your soul from your spirit correct and i just don't know why sometimes we don't ask what's the soul uh first thessalonians five twenty three says may your spirit soul and body be kept blameless to the coming of the lord well what is the soul third john 2 we prosper and we're in health as our soul prospers well what is the soul And I think we don't ask that question enough because Satan wants to blind us to where he's working. We can't see the soul. I can't see your thoughts. I can't see your wounds. I can't even see your heart unless it's an x-ray. I can't see your imagination. I can't see your memories if you've been heinously abused by verbal, physical, sexual assault as a child. It's all I invisible. I can't see those, but they are recorded. You know, as a psychologist, uh, on the limbic system of the brain, the average person would not know that, but that's where it's at, and it's going to need to be uprooted by the word of truth by meditating. We defined in our seminars two streams that come together: cognitive restructuring. What is cognition? So your thoughts restructure their th- your, those thoughts through tr- through good thinking. No. Through the word. The word is the sword. It's the offensive weapon that cuts deep. It's two-edged, cuts off the head of the enemy, and does divine surgery in you. If you want to have success in all your ways, that's half of it, okay? But if you're wounded and you're rejected and you're looking at God through dad or mom or babysitter colored glasses who told you that you were no good or treated you like you were and devalued you, by what they did, you might have to have those memories and those imaginations also reworked through the word who says you're a child of the most high God. All those things about you that maybe your natural father or mother didn't say, hopefully you had that experience. I'm so glad you're pouring that into your children 
raise up a child in the way he should go, speak in the morning, the afternoon, the evening when they go to bed. That's what you're doing. That's what we did with you. That's what parents should be doing, but some people don't even have parents, or they're not godly parents. But remember, God said, I'll be a father to the fatherless, meaning he'll be a mother to the motherless. He can restore everything Satan has stole from you, even when you didn't need, know he was stealing it from you, because children are Satan's choicest victims. Right. And you're really what you're really describing is Romans 12, 1 and 2, that says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind um, so that, and it goes on to say, so that you may know what the good and perfect will of God is. Um, and what you're describing there is the work that the word of God can do to renew our minds and how it's not just a resource for, for reading here and there, but it is something to be memorized and meditated on. Cause that's when it goes down deep. You know, David King, David said, I, will hide my word in your heart so that I might not sin against you, or I've hidden my word in your heart so that I might not sin against you. The only way to hide it in your heart is to get it down into your spirit with meditation and memorization. And um, that's when that renewing process can happen. And that's when things can be reversed, if you will, in your neural pathways and in your thoughts. And, but if we don't do that, we're subject to the whims and the thoughts that either come into our own mind from the enemy or come up from our own thoughts from our own sin nature, uh, or maybe what we've heard on the radio or on TV or on the internet that can sway us. And why Lance, is it a work? Why is it a work? Why is the word a work in you? Because the word is not just the Logos word. John one, one says in the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. And verse 14 became flesh and dwelt among us. If you really want to seek God diligently and have the mind of Christ and have that word work in you to do divine surgery, you can can synonymously say, Jesus is the word. Jesus is the work. If I meditate on the word and I use the word like Jesus did, even against Satan when he was tempted in the wilderness, when he fasted for 40 days and 40 nights and was very weak, and Satan attacked him. I'm sure he attacked him, attacked him at other times, but he knew it was an opportune time, it says there. Jesus used the word, and Satan left him for a more opportune time. So we, we covered what would be, this is what your dad and I came up with, with the three ways There may be more, I'm not saying this is exhaustive, but three ways that the person next to you, even though they're saved, and for sure if they're not, in church, could be defeated. Mm. Defeated potentially in bearing fruit, defeated in relationships, defeated in building up other people in quality, defeating in being basically part of the solution rather than part of the problem, right? Right. And we came up with three ways. Satan can overcome us if we don't know spiritual warfare and our delegated authority. Okay. If you don't know you have an enemy and you're playing a football game and you want to regard the other team as the enemy and you don't know their schemes and strategies, as the word says, do not be ignorant of his schemes and strategies. He goes around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. You can't ignore him. 
You can't ignore the enemy if you're going to beat him. So it's not only overcoming him, it's knowing you have the enemy first, which we came up with the phrase delivered to be healed to be delivered. Delivered from the lack of knowledge that you have an enemy and what are the weapons of my warfare to overcome him according to Luke 4, 19 that says you have, Jesus gave us, delegated authority over him. And if you don't believe that, you won't walk in that power right. and that authority. You'll just let him do what John ten ten says, kill, steal, and destroy you. Right. And, and rather than Jesus giving us life and life more abundantly. The second thing is um, wounding, which we've already talked about. If you believe you have that third part, which you should, because we are a spirit, we live in a body, and we have a soul, and I just defined that in the Word in several scriptures, you have to know that that can be affected and influenced, which is not your fault, maybe, as you were a child or whatever, but it becomes your responsibility right. to make sure that's healed. And that's why ministries like ours, Totally Transformed, Freedom Ministries, uh, my practice, the book, there's now awareness out there that, that Christians are being blinded, devastated, ruined by what happened to them through rejection, which I define as not getting the love you need in the way you need it, from whom you needed it, at the time you needed it. That could cover a lot of things. Right. I know we're speaking to people that have been heinously, sexually, verbally, physically, mentally abused. And of course, of course, a lot of this book comes out of my life of childhood abuse and your dad's, which we won't take time today, I don't think, but we shared authentic times that if we would have got hung up on the wounding and not gone through confession and forgiveness, because you've got to clear the heart, right. even if you've been rejected, even if you've been offended, right? right. Um, then the enemy can be, have, you, uh, have a vulnerable place in you right. to work. Yeah. Okay, and then thirdly, if you are wounded or if you're not, Matthew 13 talks about the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, or the boastful pride of life. In other words, do you have the blessings of God, which, for example, let's take lust. Sex is a blessing. It's to be within marriage. It's pleasurable. It's enjoyable. It's for recreation and procreation. What did Satan do? He has completely taken it into a sexual revolution that you can have sex with anybody, you can be on the internet and view all kinds of pornography. Why? Because he wants you to make it a sin without repentance and a stronghold. You can take anything, lest the flesh, lest the eye, boastful pride of life that you're blessed with. And the idea is God loves to bless his children because you have four. Right. You love to bless them. Mm -hmm. I love to bless them. Mm -hmm. Where do we get that? The heart of God. Right. I love to bless you. But if those things have you and they become your comfort, they become your value, you perform through them rather than, rather than the Lord Jesus Christ as Lord and surrendered, then they become idols and they distract people away from the focus on the Lord and eternal life. And your key verse, tell me your key verse right now, because I have, don't have it memorized. Matthew 6.33 yeah. says, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. So that means if you do that, and you keep a clear heart, meaning you're not sinning chronically without repentance, and you don't have walls up 
to protect yourself because you're wounded, and you seek the Lord every day with your whole heart and discipleship principles, you can have all these things. You can have beautiful homes. You can have nice cars. You can have... He wants you to have plenty for yourself and other people. Right. It's not... That's not a sin. It's the love of it that distracts you. Or the pursuit of it. Yes. In... in um in place of other things that are much more important, like your primary relationships with your spouse and your children uh, or your pursuit of the Lord. Because in my book, the first thing I talk about in one of the first chapters is your priorities. Here here it is. Your relationship with Jesus Christ. If you're married, your relationship with your husband or wife. Then your children. Then the uh, family of God, which should be the body of Christ in some way or other, like we've described, and then the world in that order. Does that mean that I'm not going to be in the world some to work or I'm not going to be in the church at times? It's if that core is strong, healthy, healed within yourself and then in your marriage, because two, if we have two whole people coming together, one plus one equals one. (laughs) It's not a half and half. Yep. Then one puts a thousand to flight, two ten thousand to flight, and you can be even more dynamic as a married couple in the Lord than you could be alone, because God says it's not good for man to be alone to make him a helpmate, right? Yep, right. And I think it's important to step back from every pursuit and say, what is the purpose for this? Yes, that's a good question. Because if and you know, obviously, lots of times the purpose of things we do, especially for fun, is for that, to have enjoyment, recreation, fun, a break from work or our responsibilities. But evaluating each pursuit to make sure that it ultimately has a kingdom purpose or ultimately has something, a purpose that's going to build us up towards health in the Lord first, but also in our lives is important to do because so many pursuits, unfortunately, cause us to spin our wheels and pursue things that are not eternal and steal from the more important things that will ultimately matter. Uh, Another thing, I think I said this recently, looking back at our lives from the perspective of your funeral, which a a lot of people don't like to admit or we don't like to think about, our end, but it's going to happen. And thinking back on, okay, is what I'm pursuing right now today in my life, something that I will be proud to be told at my funeral, or will it be deleted or taken out or talked about as some, and people will just say, Oh, well, that was nice. You know, he had a nice life. Yeah. Nice guy. Nice lady. Or is it, or am I pursuing things that are eternal and will last, which usually, just about all of those things have to do with people and our impact on people and um, our impact, hopefully, for them to pursue Jesus Christ and the kingdom of God. I feel, Lance, with this subject today on evangelizing the church, we've given an overview, but there are really key principles within each one of those principles that Satan confuses people about that we might want to go into next time um, but First Thessalonians 5.22, before the scripture that I quoted, um, uh, now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely and may your sp- entire spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
22 says, abstain from every form of evil. Mm. So that's a choice. And if you're caught, you can also get out of that. Um, But I'm just saying we're in an hour in this America that I've lived now for, um, oh, I'm 72 in October next month. I've lived and seen such a decline for a couple other reasons we probably don't have time to get into right now. But I do want to exhort everyone that we're talking to today. Elections are coming up in this nation, midterms in the early November, November 2nd. Early voting is October 26th. And if the righteous rule, the people live in peace. Why do we want the righteous to rule? So we can be free to spread the gospel. We don't want to lose our freedom that we have so lovingly and uh, terribly paid many a cost. You paid a cost. You served in the um, Iraqi war. You paid a cost. You laid down your life. You could have lost your life. That was the commitment you made so that we could be free from the oppression that was coming on at that time. Many people have died and lost limbs so we can stand on their shoulders. So I'm just saying two pieces of that. Second Chronicles seven fourteen. repent. If my people that are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways, I'll heal their land. Good. Again, it's individual heart. It's the corporate hearts of America. I repent for myself and I repent for America. Even things I didn't do. We're sorry, God, for things that are abomination to you that are against your word. And then to be aware uh, of who's running and that hopefully they have, uh, you can vote for people with a righteous agenda. How do we know it's righteous? It's commensurate with the word of God. They're not promoting a platform that's totally against the word of God. And you can um, go to a website um, that I um, put in my thing. What is it? America, millionvoices.org, millionvoices.org. You can find, they will give you voter uh, reviews on people running in your particular area with your particular zip code. Um, People are trying to bring together the Christians of this nation that know Jesus Christ so we can live and have the godly scenario that this nation was created upon to continue. So my children's children, your children, my grandchildren and their children can live Mm -hmm. in the beauty, the freedom, both civilly and in educationally, and to mainly be free to spread the gospel until Jesus comes. It hit me recently uh, that everything that we have that's good and prosperous, our technological advances, our way of life, stem from the Word of God being reintroduced into the world after the dark ages Absolutely. when it was pulled out yeah. of the chained. Hands. Yeah, it was you're right. Chained, chained to the altar. Chained. It, was in, it wasn't in the common people's language. Right. right. And when the word of God was translated into the common people's language, when the printing press got it into the hands, uh, Gutenberg's invention, spreading it around the world so that, and then as men worked, translated into every language, those things enlightened man's understanding to allow us to prosper and develop the technology and the things that we benefit from today. So what's happening around us today? The word of God is trying to be taken out of our uh, organizations, out of our schools, 
um, you know, it's it, by people not being in church to hear the word of God. It's being taken out of people's lives. And what's the result? Darkness, a return to darkness and evil and destruction that's happening all around us. Everything relates back to whether or not the word of God is alive and active in our lives or not. Because Psalm eleven three says, if the foundations be destroyed, what can the people do? We can rebuild the foundations through the same word of God that built this country that build our lives, that is building the kingdom of God, if we return to them and find out where our foundations have been destroyed, because in Isaiah 61, 1 through 4, Jesus said, I want to make oaks of righteousness, the planning of the Lord, that I may be glorified by healing you, taking you out of the dark recesses of your mind, healing your wounds. And he said that when he stood up in the temple, first thing, Matthew Four eighteen and nineteen. I've come to heal the brokenhearted and set at liberty those that Luke, are bound. Luke four eighteen and nineteen. Right. Mm-hmm. Is it Luke? Luke, Luke yep. four eighteen and nineteen. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. Yep. And I want to also, if I may, do one more thing. Um, I am going to recommend um, more than ever to get my book Saved but Not Free. If you are wounded and you don't know how to be free, I put everything in here on how to be free and an appendix that has every handout I give to any client. Right. But I want to read what you wrote about this book because you helped me write this book. It took us four years. You designed the cover that people can't see. They're listening to us, but it's white and it's got a sunburst in between the letters F-R-E-E in free. And this is what you said. This book is white because it will do a purifying work in the church. And the sunburst in the middle is like a white hot poker that will pierce men's hearts. If you're not broken over your sin, if you feel like you can sin and just exercise the grace of God, like Paul lamented that he would never want to do in Romans 6, 7, and 8, then you need to go back to the altar and say, make me broken over the sin that defies your word. Uh, And you were saying you're so excited to see what God will do with this work and where he takes it and how it's been a life work. I won't read the whole thing, but that right there is really significant uh, because you went on to say that it will reach the uh, farthest reaches of the earth where his light is dim. This was uh, came out in 2017. We weren't doing a podcast then. Mm -hmm. We had just started seminars and um, I was doing board and psychological services and helping uh, the Lord, helping me to heal the brokenhearted and set at liberty those that are bound, but it's expanded so much so far. And you were excited to have this work in our hands to pass down to the generations to follow in our footsteps because it covers spiritual warfare, number one, that we have an enemy, and how he works subtly but powerfully in the 21st century because of the broken foundations to capture people's hearts and minds and put them in a stronghold. And with my mom and dad, you'll read in this book where I was abused, but I decided, and your dad decided, we weren't going to let the sins of the fathers be visited to the third and fourth generations because we were going to choose righteousness to be visited to a thousand generations. And you noted that. It is my privilege to carry on the baton to a thousand generations to which I pass it from you to them. And then you uh, wrote Revelation sixteen twenty-five through 27. This is what we all have the privilege to do. Now to him who is able to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery, 
which has been kept secret for ages past, but now is manifested. And by the scriptures of the prophets, according to the commandment of the eternal God, has made known to all the nations leading to obedience of faith to the only wise God through Jesus Christ be the glory forever and ever. Hmm. We are the, the Pauls and Peters. We are not writing the Bible, but we're still writing the acts of the church. Mm-hmm. And God wants us to be that powerful right. in, in our own way, in whatever he's called you to, to be that focused, to be that set apart, right. to be that serious right. about what he's called you to do. And it might be, we're talking to mothers today, yours is like building your children in quality. It's what he's called you to do because with everything, there's a, a season, a reason, and a lifetime. I heard somebody say the other day, I thought that was so good. Everything has a reason, a season, and some things have a lifetime of your influence that will follow you or not Right. in everything you do in a good or bad way. Amen. Amen. Well, let's pray and um, just ask the Lord to help us to see people within the four walls of our church that need ministry, that need a, that need uh, prayer that yeah. need conversation, uh, and ask the Lord to minister to us and yes. through others, Yes, you know, it can go the other way too. Yes. That's why one of the reasons why, uh, God said, do not forsake the gathering of yourselves together. Right. And, um, I want to exhort everybody listening to this to go to church, get back into church. If COVID knocked you out of church, get back into church. You know, it's great to hear the messages online, but we need to be in the body of Christ around those uh, in the body and ministering to them and being ministered to by the other members of the body. So let's pray. Lord, thank you for the privilege we have to seek you and serve you. Thank you for the privilege we have in the United States of America to be able to go to church freely and worship you, God, and gather together. Um, And I pray, Lord, that you would help us to see those around us that need you, that need a touch from you through us, that maybe need a prayer, maybe uh, have a need for food. Maybe they just need a, uh, a friend, Lord, whatever it may be, help us to see the needs around us, to take the time to engage with those around us. And Lord, minister to us too. Lord, we need to be ministered to as well. It's not a one-way street, it's a two-way street. And so Lord, help us, God, to see and be seen as we walk into our churches. Lord, I pray that you'd encourage those of us that have struggled to get back into the routine of church, Lord, to reestablish that in our lives as a priority to uh, gather with the body of Christ uh, in, in, the, in the expressions, Lord, that we have in our towns, in our cities, in our neighborhoods. And Lord, um, I pray that you would build the church, that the church would have a significant impact on society in, yes, in beating back the forces of evil that want to take over everything and destroy our freedoms and destroy our lives. Lord, um, God, I pray that you would just uh, bring freedom healing and deliverance to everyone that's listening to this podcast today through your word and through the ministry that's available through Jesus Christ, through his healing power. I pray in the mighty name of Jesus. Lord, I just pray that everyone listening will also do that. And as they're equipped and healed and made like you 
to be your hands and feet extended in any process. As long as they're surrendered, they can minister. Lord, we pray for this land. We pray for America. We pray that we'll take our civil responsibility to vote and pray and be informed, to put righteous leaders in place over us, because when the righteous rule, the people live in peace. Lord, we repent not only for ourselves, but on behalf of things that we see going around on around us that we know are an abomination to you. Uh, rampant abortion, killing babies in the womb, uh, not recognizing that you created man and woman after your image, and you created us in triuneness, body, soul, and spirit after the Godhead. Lord, the abomination against who you are and against who we are, where we came from and where we're going, we repent for ourselves and even things we have not done so that you will cleanse us from all unrighteousness and do what Second Chronicles 7.14 says, your word, you are the word, that you will heal our individual and corporate land. That is a promise. So Lord, I pray for conviction for myself. Lord, shake everything that's shakable. And for those listening to the sound of our voice, that they would be exhorted, encouraged, inspired, passionate, about walking in righteousness and holiness before you, a holy God, that in the Old Testament they had to take off their shoes to walk into the holies, holy of holies, and you rent the curtain through the resurrection of the cross so we can enter into your presence at any time. But you want us to be aware that's a holy place, holy before you to be in your presence. So thank you, Lord. We praise you for what you've already done in the lives of our listeners, what you've done today through this podcast and through this prayer and what you're going to continue to do as they take your word as an exhortation, not just to listen to, but to do so their houses can be built on the rock, the Lord Jesus Christ. In your name, amen, we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you for joining us today on the Totally Transformed Podcast. Come back next time for another episode where we'll be talking about having lives transformed and renewed and healed by the power of Jesus Christ. Amen.